welcome to the Joyful Nourishment Podcast, a place for conversations around all things food, eating, body image and nourishment. Here we'll explore and unpack all the things that gets in the way of us having a kind, compassionate relationship with food and eating in our bodies and also how we can find our way back to joyful nourishment in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Lynn Thorstensen, a registered nutrition therapist and body image coach based in the west of Ireland, and I am so glad that you're here. Welcome back to this podcast episode of Joyful Nourishment, and today we are going to talk a little bit more about exploring body image, cultural messaging, and these internalized beliefs that these cultural messages tend to create for us. So today is a solo episode with me and I hope that this is going to be helpful. So what I really want to talk about today is a little bit about what body image is and the definition that I have of it. Um, I also want to talk also talk a little bit about different concepts when it comes to body image or I suppose concepts that we hear in talked about in social media, in books, in writing, when when we're talking about our relationship with our body. And then I'm also going to talk about some um, practices to try at home, but more so. What I wanted to do was to give you some reflection questions throughout this conversation today, just to invite you to pause and think about some of these things for yourself. Because I think taking the time to reflect on stuff helps us to bring some more awareness to our internal thinking. And I think also can help us to work out some clarity around different things that we noticed that we've been thinking and maybe that we discovered aren't so helpful um, when it comes to how we relate to our own bodies. And then I'm going to link to some other sh- um, resources that you can learn from in the show notes, some books um, and places on the internet that I have had the opportunity to learn from as well. And again, I do want to say that, you know, I do body image coaching in my work. I don't tend to do it as a particularly with people just as a standalone practice. I know there is great body image coaches who work really uh, primarily on body image coaching and helping people create a better relationship with their bodies. But I think it is an integral part of the work when we look at healing our relationship around food and eating, that we also look at what's our relationship to our bodies, how has food and eating and this kind of bi-directional way how we feel think and feel about our body kind of contributing to maybe some of our eating struggles um and even when our relationship with food and eating may be improved how is our relationship with our body still and is it still taking up a lot of brain space because that's what I've seen too and um that's why I think this is really important to talk about And finally, I suppose, as we dive into this conversation, I do want to say that this is, you know, a high level kind of caption of it. So there's so much more nuance. There's so much deeper we can go with this. But I wanted to give you kind of an overview and hopefully invite you to think a little bit more about maybe things that you notice are keeping you stuck and giving you some 
some sort of ideas of you know some of the first steps that can be helpful and um, towards working to a better relationship with your body so yeah what our body image what is it what is what do we mean by talking about body image so the concept of body image really refers to how we see our physical self their reflection of it but also thoughts emotions and sensations that accompanies this so it's both our feelings and thoughts about how we perceive a reflection, but also how we perceive our bodies from the inside. And body image is something that we all have as a, as a human living in his physical body. We all have body image. But different people might have different degrees of distress or no distress around how they perceive their body image. So it's really what I'm, I think and what most of us talk about when we talk about body image coaching or working on your body image is really to, how do we navigate this distress or rigidity or inflexibility around body image? And when it's, when our, like how we think about it, how we feel about it has become like all encompassing um, in our lives and how, you know, um, body image distress, it can be really kind of debilitating in our lives. And this is really what we, I think what we talk about when we talk about, you know, healing our body image or working on body image, it's that how do we lessen or reduce this distress so that it doesn't take up such a big part of our life. And so that body image distress doesn't also have an impact on a relationship with food and eating. So what are the different concepts then when we talk about bodies and some of the things that you might have come across? So I've listed a few here. Maybe I've left something out. And sure if I have, feel free to let me know. I'm always up for learning some more stuff. Um, but you might have heard um, people talk about body neutrality, body acceptance, body love, body positivity, body liberation. And often, you know, it's like we talk about, we hear talk about body love and body positivity and maybe less so about body neutrality and body acceptance. And body love is, I think, this lovely kind of idea that we get to love our bodies, love ourselves and really feel you know, great in, in, you know, how we think about our bodies, what we think they look like, but also how we feel in them, that we're free to take up space. And that we are, I think about body positivity as something like, you know, when we're really thinking about gratitude and appreciation for what our bodies do um, and what, what they can do and what they do for us just by simply the virtue of being alive. But the thing is, body love can feel like such a big stretch like too far of a stretch if we are in a place of body discomfort self-loathing body hatred um that is just like it's just too far out of reach and it can feel then that well here's another thing that I can't do right or that I can't get to or that you know I'm too broken or too flawed to actually even achieve so body neutrality can often be a place where, you know, maybe we don't hate our bodies as much. Maybe we're just like feeling neutral about them, might not love what we see, 
but it's not interfering with our life as much as it has been in the past. It's like we have a body and it's taken care of. It is the vehicle that we um, live this life through. But, you know, we neither, neither love or hate it. It just is. And that can be often, I think, more of a, a place that is more realistic to get to. And I do think as well, in order to get to this place of feeling more neutral, there has to be some acceptance. And acceptance, this is how I define it for myself anyway, is this way of really honoring what is. So whether we like something or don't like it or like dislike it or it's just accepting it is what it is without kind of fighting it. And acceptance is not giving up or resignation. It's a kind of a, I don't know, it's like this kind of like act of like holding the experience as it is without trying to fix or change it. And often from that place, things become clearer and it's easier to kind of, like when we stop fighting against something, when we let go of some of that resistance, Without a kind of hopeless, you know, resigned sense of it, it can open up that space for choice or for care or for even some neutrality. And the other thing then when we talk about body liberation, body liberation is really a social justice um, movement or anchored in social justice around having that all bodies are free, all bodies are accepted and valued and honored and treated with respect and care and dignity, regardless of sexual orientation, race, gender, you know, socioeconomic economic status, um, anything that can make somebody marginalized, but like that all bodies are free to exist in this world without discrimination. And unfortunately, so far, body liberation is an an aspiration. And from particular for body liberation movements. And I think it is an aspiration that we should all be working towards. And I would love to see in my lifetime for this, for us to live in a world where no bodies are no longer discriminated against, but free to exist as they are and respected and honored with care. So one of the things to mention here as well before I move on is that body neutrality, body acceptance, body love, body positivity, those are all really centered around the individual, whereas body liberation is uh, around the collective. It's around the um, care and body love for all bodies. It's not just for ourselves. So I think that's an important distinction to make. So Let's think about this question around why do we feel bad about our bodies? Like why, why do we get to this place where, you know, we don't like what we see in the mirror or we don't like how we navigate in our body, body or how it feels um, to be in it. But particularly like when I think about our perception of what we see, our perception of our reflection I'll talk a bit more about other things that can disrupt our body image but I think for a lot of people myself included 
when I feel distressed about what I see in the mirror, so my body image as it as it ref, reflects my reflection, um, where did I get those? Like when when did this like like why am I thinking like that, right? And this, I think, is where it's really important to bring in these conversations around the cultural messages. What are the messages that you see all day long? And the thing is, like, when we start spotting diet culture, we become aware of what it is. It's like, it's just so hard to unsee it. Maybe there's, like, billboards um, telling you, like, or even just visually showing you that, you know, if you look this way or your body looks this way, everything is going to be great. Or maybe there is messages in magazines or online that you see, or just even how filters and stuff works. Like it's just, it's so subtle today, but these cultural messages are constantly telling us that some bodies are better than others. And we're, of course, seeing visual representations as well of what this ideal body should look like. And I think what's the thing that's so interesting today um, is that we have even more representation of like this cultural beauty ideal than because and, and the thing is, like, even though that we know, like cognitively or intellectually, that a lot of things are filtered or airbrushed or doctored within somehow over using the best angles. It's also like that, like we know that, but like, it's like our brains can't take in that message. And the other thing is that today with social media, it's not just like models that we can identify with or look up to or compare ourselves to. It's like your everyday person, people in similar circumstances to you. I think that's what makes it makes it even more insidious. So yeah, what like what do you think? And what have you noticed with these messages of like bodies being, you know, a certain way? And then my other question to you here is when did you learn that your body was wrong? When was the first time? And I know this is a hard question to sometimes realize. And you know, like when, like when was the time that you noticed for yourself inside that there was something wrong with your body and that you wished it was different? And some of the research has shown that people as young as five are already wanting to diet or change their body appearance somehow. And I certainly lots of stories that I've had the privilege to listen to in my clinic over the years. It's that People have started their dieting journey uh, at an early age, 7, 8, 10, 11, 12. And, you know, this hasn't been helpful long term and it isn't. And often it's been a well-meaning parent or relative or maybe sometimes an even less well-meaning parent or relative or friend. Or there was a bullying and comments on the body saying that, you know, you're too big and, you know, you need to be this way or you need to be watching what you're eating because otherwise you're going to get too big. And and it's heartbreaking. I just think it's not helpful. And I really would love if, like, this was something that just didn't happen going forward. 
and I do think about this work when we do our this work for ourselves is that we are slowly changing the trajectory for the next generation just by doing our own work but at the same time we have to kind of keep calling it out collectively as well to a larger audience but anyway so this leads on to my next reflection question thinking about what are the beliefs do you hold about people in larger bodies and again, this is a really hard question, I think, to sit with for most of us. And I have to put my hand in my heart and say here that um, this is something that I've had to work on myself. I definitely had stereotypical internalized beliefs about people in larger bodies and about what that means for my own body when it's changing shapes. And the more I've learned, the more I've had to sit with some of those questions and realize that actually these values are not values that I want to hold on to. I don't want to like inadvertently oppress people just in larger world. I believe that everybody has the right to respect and care regardless of how their bodies show up in the world. I believe that all bodies are worthy just by simply existing. And there is so much messaging that some bodies are better than others in this culture both that we get directly from people that loves us but also from like in written text and like when I have seen um you know discussions online with colleagues in the non-diet space it's like it's in sieges it's in kids books and stuff everywhere um and it's nice to see that things are being challenged as well because what this does is that you might say, well, you know, you can't say anything anymore. But I think what it does is that when we are continuously upholding these stereotypical beliefs, we all internalize them regardless of our own body size. And it's just not helpful for anybody. And it doesn't, like shaming people for their bodies it just doesn't help people to take better care of them it just doesn't work that way and I really wish that that sort of myth would die on their on its and be you know knocked on its head it's just not helpful so thinking about these questions about you know what you might think about people in larger bodies regardless of where your own body fit in can shine a little light on our own internalized weight stigma and fat phobia too because it also means like you know how distressing is it if our bodies are changing particularly in a way that you know we then think is problematic because of our own internalized beliefs so with this as well of course comes talking about like what is weight stigma and I am not the expert or talking about weight stigma there is some incredible people who write and talk about this and like Ragan Chastain is one person really in the health um healthcare space who does amazing work on this uh, Virgie Tover is another person who is excellent to learn from in this space as well as a fat activist who has reclaimed the word fat for herself. I can link to a few other Substack um, publications here of people who are in larger bodies or who are writing and reclaiming that experience for themselves because 
as somebody in a stretched body, I'm not really the expert in talking about that. But weight stigma in a short is the discrimination based on body size. So it's any discrimination that is directed towards people because they're in a, in a larger body. That could be anything from, um, you know, being um, not offered promotion, being paid less, also being just the stereotyping that is there. But it's also something like where ex- other things like where accessibility isn't um, taken into consideration, for example, that chairs aren't accommodating um, or and or it can also be, oh God, what was I going to say there? Yeah, healthcare, like medical weight stigma. When, and this again, because of my own body um, experience, or my thin privilege, I'd never had the experience of going to the doctors and, you know, not being taken seriously or being offered unsolicited weight loss advice just because of how my body presents in the world. But I have heard this from several of my clients over the years in larger bodies that coming in with something totally unrelented, like a bite on a leg or a chest infection that just wasn't going away. And just being offered unsolicited weight advice, weight loss advice without asking the person about what they're um so and this is without the person you know being asked questions about their relationship with food or if they've had an eating disorder in the past or um you know like whether they actually want weight loss advice no you might be in there for treating for something that's totally unrelated to to weight and Ragan Justine says in her um in her work that one of the good questions to ask is like how would you treat and like how would you treat a thin person with this condition if somebody is just offering weight loss advice off the bat? So again, her work is just excellent in this regard, and I will share some of the resources um with her there if that's helpful for you. But what weight stigma also does, it's like it's directly um like in proportion like it's it's tar- like weight stigma affects people in larger bodies the most but all of us are affected in the sense that we are picking it up the messaging and we internalize some of these beliefs as well because what i see is all my clients are struggling with bodies changing and i think this is the cultural internalized messages that we've all have so none of us are helped by this constant reinforcing that some bodies are better than others. So my question to you here to reflect on your own internalized beliefs is what do you believe to be true about your body and how it looks and maybe changes that are happening or haven't happened? And this could be even if your body is changing, it's becoming smaller. What does that mean? What are you making it mean? If your body is changing and you're gaining weight, what does that mean? What are you making it mean? And where did you learn this? Like, where did you learn these messages and from whom? Right? Sometimes this is just the cultural stuff. Sometimes we've learned it from people that are closest to us. Sometimes it's experienced from being told that our bodies were wrong or bullying, for example. 
what I ask you to, to sort of pause and think, where did you learn this stuff? And also to think about these internalized beliefs. Are they helpful? Are they even aligned with your personal values? I've had some of my clients realize that actually, even though one part of them are afraid of gaining weight, another part of them actually don't want to hold on to these values because it's not aligned with how they want to view the world or how they, they want to view a fair world. So I invite you to think about that. And is there any of these beliefs that you've picked up and internalized that you'd like to let go of? Maybe there is. Maybe you don't want to be holding on to that. Some bodies are better than others. And maybe you want to create some space for acceptance that your body is a living, breathing thing, that it is going to change throughout your life. That is a natural, normal thing to happen. And maybe the best thing we can do to, is to take care of it. I don't know. I'm asking you to think about and reflect on this. And of course, we all have different lived experiences. And these lived experiences both inform our internal sense of our bodies, um, but also these lived experiences inform how other people experience our bodies. So culture, personal identity, sexual orientation, ability, disability, skin color, class, as well as body sizes, all really play a role of how the world and other sees us. And of course, how other sees us can have an impact how we see ourselves or how we feel about ourselves, depending on how we're treated. And this is where some of this marginalization also comes in. And if we have many or more than one um, marginal identities, then, you know, we're really in, in this intersectional space as well. So that's all of that kind of thinking. Just again, high level, there's so much more to say about this. There's so much more to kind of think about and dive into. But it's like, what are the kind of influences? That's really what I want to do, kind of convey in this part of you know what is like how do we how come that we seize ourselves in the way that we see ourselves and other things of course that can influence our bodies is you know trauma neglect bullying um yeah those are kind of big ones as well that can really disrupt of our sense of self and our our connection to our bodies or the safety of being present in our bodies so the disconnect of course isn't helpful either but um yeah i think i think that's all i've been thinking about for now anyway and i'll probably in the future we'll come back to this topic again and we might dive a bit deeper in it but I just want to switch tack a little bit now and let us talk about how can we move from self-hatred into sort of body acceptance. So really moving from self-objectification, which is really when we are preoccupied with trying to change ourselves to fit. And this is one of the things that I'm going to mention here before I forget about it is that healing body image distress or working on or improving our body image is really an inside job it can feel like an outside job it can feel like if I can just fix my body if I can just 
change what it looks like on the outside I'm going to be satisfied I'm going to be happy and it'll be fine and all is good but I think this is um it's it's always going to be an inside job because it's really not about changing what our bodies look like it's changing how we think about um and feel and about being in them really so it's it's going to be an inside job but I wanted to talk a little bit about moving from self-objectification, so basically seeing our, our bodies as an object, to some self-appreciation. And my first question here, and feel free to pause this podcast at any point on this episode if you want to like stop and think about these questions for a bit more. So my first question here is, how would you treat your body if you could hate it a little less? If you just was like, even lessing it, I don't know exactly because you don't where you're starting from on this journey. But like, or maybe you kind of already don't hate it that much. But if you're moving for, towards the space of neutrality, how would that change how you treat yourself? Like, what would you do? Like, and when I say treat yourself, how would you, how would hating yourself and your body a little less kind of change of how you would care for your body? Like, would it change? Yeah, think about that. And then there's, there's other question that always comes up again when, and this often is as well in particular in relation to like getting go of dieting. And the question is like, well, but what about health? What if I, if I stop dieting, I'm going to eat all the things and I'm not going to care and I'm just going to like throw caution to the wind and sure, that might happen for a while. And sometimes that is a necessary step of the healing. But what I have noticed is that when we start hating ourselves a little bit less and we start stop trying to micromanage our bodies on the outside, we can create a lot more space on the inside for genuine care and genuine questions and curiosity about how we can continue to try to meet our needs in ways that feels the good because dieting is this kind of external driven way it's a kind of a misdirected way of trying to get our needs met so letting go of dieting or caring or working on healing your body image it's not about letting go of your health but also I do want to say that regardless of your body's healthy or not everybody needs or deserves I should say to be treated with respect and care because some bodies are never going to meet the full definition of health and that should not have any bearing on how that person is being perceived or treated with dignity and respect so again that's I think something as a society I think we should really strive to change but if you care about it's like caring for yourself and caring for your health in the best way possible is something that you care about. Dieting doesn't mean, not dieting, I should say, it doesn't mean that you have to stop caring about your health. Actually, the opposite. It means that now you can be curious to really try to meet the need that is the needs that your body um, is specifically looking for and not just having our external influences trying to mitigate that so when we are moving on this journey from body hatred to body acceptance 
first of all, is like this, what I've been talking about here is like really working towards and getting curious about understanding where we learned that our bodies were a problem to be fixed. It's really useful to, to really sort of diving into that question. And I learned that question from Hillary and Dana from the Center for Body Trust. And I think it's just such a wonderful question to really think about what is the stuff that's ours and what's the stuff that we've internalized from elsewhere. So that, of course, is really looking at exploring cultural messages as well that we've internalized. And then it's bringing in the practice of self-compassion, of treating ourselves like we would a good friend. And some of the research has shown that self-compassion can really help us creating a better relationship with our bodies. And from the practice of self-compassion, we can create practices that are of self-care that is really rooted in self-worth. And what do I mean by that? Yeah, good question. Um, I think about self-care that is rooted in self-worth is like to know that we deserve care, food, rest, good nutrition what's within what's accessible to us. Our bodies deserve to move it's, if that's what they desire. We also deserve, um, you know, good, healthy relationships. And then in the larger world, of course, we deserve good quality housing, good health care, access to good health care, access to good housing, access to, you know, good jobs and like, you know, removal from poverty. All of those things are all also like important. But when we talk about us as an you as an individual or me as an individual, it's really, I suppose, working on that practice of self-compassion to get to a place where or to arrive or to cultivate this sense that I am worthy of taking being taken care of. I'm worthy of taking care of myself, of being of it's like connecting to ourselves so that we can meet the basic needs, but also the more maybe emotional and spiritual needs that we have as humans. And again, those aren't like a one and done things. These are practices. But I think separating here, what is the external messaging that we have picked up and internalized versus our own internal self-worth and using self-compassion as a practice to cultivate that. I think it, it's really really important and then like the kind of more short-term easy top level wins I think that you can also incorporate in moving towards improving your body image one that I have that I love and that I find so useful for myself as well and that I also recommend to my clients at all often is to diversify your social media feed with bodies of all sizes and if you're not on social media, you can, you know, get a cup of coffee or tea or something and just sit and people watch for a while, whether you're on the beach or whether you're in a city or in a park. I just realize that there is such diversity in bodies. And the reason I say diversify your social media feed is that because the algorithms work in ways that we tend to see the same thing over and over because it picks up what it thinks we like. And then we get this narrow definition of like what bodies look like because we might only just start seeing one type of, of bodies. 
and I recommended this to a client of mine some time ago and she came back and she said yeah that was really helpful but what she also noticed was when she started following some of the people I suggested was that all of a sudden Instagram started recommending or showing her more diverse bodies which was I think I thought quite cool because it's some useful part of the algorithm that actually might be helpful. So that's one way. And I think it just does something to our brains as well when we are starting to see more natural diversity of bodies um, on our screens that are just actually existing in the, in the real world. Another thing that's really helpful as well to get you started of feeling better in your body is the wearing clothes that fit the hair in our body. You know, maybe you have clothes that are a little bit tight and I'm not suggesting that you have to get rid of them, but I'm suggesting maybe put them to, to the side for now. Just go on and try on clothes in your wardrobe and keep the stuff that feels good. Like keep the stuff that is, that you know, like you're wearing clothes, they feel good and you're not constantly thinking about what you're wearing. Uh, and I can't underestimate, like don't underestimate actually how much this will work. And the same goes for underwear. So it's your knickers and bras or any kind of underwear that you're wearing. If it's pinching and squeezing and, you know, it's just rubbing, it's just uncomfortable. And that's keeping you like kind of like on that alert. And if you're a person who is very sensitive for with touch and textures and things like that, even more so because it's just going to like keep irritating um, and just cost a lot of energy actually just like wearing things that fit clothes that fit it's like it just frees up an awful lot of brain space that's all I want to say sometimes a gratitude practice towards what your body can do rather than what it looks like can help um you know your body is your vehicle that you're living your life through it's it's kind of there and sometimes it's not working as well as we would like to and it can be really difficult then, of course, to have gratitude for that. So that leaves me into another thing to hold is that sometimes we have to grieve past bodies. Maybe your body was different in the past. You might have been younger in the past too, most likely. Um, and we're not going to look 20 when we're 40 or 40 when we're 60. It's just like it doesn't work like that unless, you know, we uh, spend a lot of money on plastic surgery and that's not really what I'm advocating here. You might also grieve bodies that function differently to than what your body does today. And that's okay. Like feeling all the emotions of rage and anger and disappointment and sadness and bargaining and all the things that comes with grief um, can be really helpful as well as part of this journey of body acceptance and improving our body image. And when it comes to acceptance, like it's really working on acceptance that bodies are meant to change. It's a living, breathing thing, your body. It's not a static robot and it is going to change. It's meant to, you know, we change from age zero to 20. And then somehow, maybe again, it's coming back to this cultural media messaging and the lack of representation that we then think that somehow by the time we get to 20 or 25, it's like that's it. We're never going to change. And then our bodies do. And we're wondering, like, why do they? Well, because they do. That's, they're meant to do that. 
And even through some of these high level, more like diversifying your social media or wearing clothes that fit or cleaning out your wardrobe, lots and lots of self-compassion is always needed. It is hard work and we're not going to love or even feel comfortable in our bodies every day. I think for me anyway, um, part of working on my body image and improving my body image has been to arrive at a place where you know, even when it's changing and I don't like what I see in the mirror, it doesn't fit the expectations that I'm, that are so old and that I still might be holding on to is that, you know, I can notice that that's where my thinking goes and I'm like, okay, here we go again, old, old stuff, old stuff. But also a lot of the time when I'm wearing clothes that fit properly, that are comfortable, I'm not thinking about my body so much. And it is something that I'm living my life through rather than just being preoccupied with what it looks like and that feels quite nice actually and at the same time that doesn't mean that I love it every minute of the day but my body thankfully right at this moment allows me to do a lot of things and I am grateful that I have the space to do that and it's not being holding me back even if it's doesn't look like it's 20 anymore because it's not so that's all I have um, for you today and I hope this made you think a little bit around you know body image and again there's so much in this topic but this is kind of high level and I'm hoping that you're going to leave with some of the things to take away and again I'll put a few links in the show notes for you to check out of some of the resources and I'll hope you'll be back listening again soon. Thank you for listening to Joyful Nourishment. This podcast is produced solely by me with no financial backing and your support means a lot to keep this project going. If this episode has been helpful in any way, it really helps this podcast to help others if you click like, subscribe or leave a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And of course, you can also subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Find out more about what I do in my private practice and what I offer over on straightforwardnutrition.com. And I am currently taking on new clients, so you will find a link to book in for a free 30-minute session in the show notes if this is something you're interested in. And finally, please come and join the Joyful Nourishment community over on Substack by subscribing to my newsletter.